Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Sing praises to the Lord, O you saints. Give thanks to his holy name. The the Lord is my strength and my shield. In him my heart trusts and I am helped. My heart exalts and with my song I give him thanks. That my glory may sing your praise and not be silent, O Lord my God. I will give thanks to you forever. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify Him with thanksgiving. Over and over again throughout the Psalms, we see this idea of praising God through song. Thank you, Matt, and thank you, worship team, for for leading us in that, that very act By the way, my favorite of those psalms is the one that Aaron actually read that said, uh, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. How many of you make a joyful noise? Because you you know what that means, right? You can't sing. (laughs) Hey, it's me too, right? Praise God that that's in there. You can't sing, but sing anyway, right? Good morning, church. It is a pleasure to be with you. If you have your Bibles, please turn them to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. A very short text this morning, but I'll be all over God's Word. Uh, But that is my main text, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. My name is Matt McDermott. I am not an elder here at Big Woods, though I will say there was a time when Pastor Tim himself compared me to John the Baptist. Um, And I don't say that in boasting because I'm quite certain it had more to do with this crazy looking dude from the wilderness who wore camel's hair and and ate bugs than it did anything else. But I'm going to quote John the Baptist to kind of open this morning because I make it my goal that that this morning that he might become greater and I might become less. And so in light of the Thanksgiving holiday this week, we're going to be taking a break from Colossians and we're going to look at this topic of thankfulness. And the title of my message this morning is Thankful in All Circumstances. Daniel, if you want to click onto the first slide there, if you would, please. Now, I don't know about you, but... I have been in a few circumstances where thankfulness wasn't uh, in my wheelhouse of feelings. Uh, in fact, there have been a few Thanksgiving dinners, in fact, with my extended family that, that thankfulness wasn't even among the top ten feelings that I wanted to exude at the time, if I was being very honest. I remember one Thanksgiving meal in particular uh, that my family will never forget. Um, are there any among us besides myself that have spent Thanksgiving at a local truck stop buffet with 30 of their closest relatives? I didn't, I didn't think so. You're afraid to raise your hand. But there we were, 30 of my closest relatives at a local truck stop, I'll leave that one unnamed, uh, ranging everywhere in age, we had young infants to 80-something year olds, um, and we're ready to get our money's worth from homemade turkey and all the fixings at the local truck stop. And before you judge us, I got to give you a little bit of backstory about my mom's family. Ever since this time that I speak of at the truck stop, my wife and I have been hosting them in our home um, for Thanksgiving dinner, Um, and and I think last year there were around 32 of them, and 32 is a lot of people, especially if you're like me and you don't really have the gift of hospitality, 32 is a lot of people. Estimates this year, I think it's going to be up to like 36, like I I, I told these the younger married couple, like you got to stop shelling out kids, I don't know where we're going to put them all, and I, I did that as lovingly as possible, of course, but... 
But, but I got to tell you, with a house of 32, 36 people, kids running around all over the place, the football games are blaring in the background, right? My, my uncles are, are talking over the games, talking over the children, talking over each other. It's just, it's like one step down from pure chaos. And I say one step down from pure chaos because the true chaos happens when we say amen to the prayer. Uh, you, you would not believe my family when it comes to, to eating, my mom's side of the family when it comes to eating. I, like, if, if we say we're going to eat at 1 o'clock and you show up at 12.55, you might have some bones left to suck on. They wait for no one. No one. It's not like that with my wife's family. You go to eat with my wife's family, right? You, you stand around for 10 minutes figuring out who's going to get in line first. No, no, you, you go. No, no, I couldn't. You go. Oh, I couldn't go before. Please, you go. I've been around long enough that, that, to know that I better go or I'm not going to get something while it's warm. You know what I mean? So usually I go first. Not my mom's family. When you say amen, you better get the children and the elderly people out of the way because they're, they're just reaching and grabbing and, and, and food's just flying everywhere. Uh, picture like WrestleMania meets the Griswolds. I mean, it's like... I, I, I didn't really want to use that reference, but I hadn't, that was the best thing I could come up with. But, and it generally resonates. But Misha and I didn't always host. So there was this time at the truck stop a number of years ago. And, and so um, other people tried to host, right? Other people that were local tried to host these things. But this reoccurring pattern just kept happening. We, we, we just wore out our welcome very quickly. And so we bounced from house to house to house. And we even went to a church fellowship hall for, for two years. And that didn't end well either. Um, and so we find ourselves at this truck stop for Thanksgiving. I don't know who in our family thought that, that a truck stop buffet would somehow calm the chaos that is our Thanksgiving family meals. Um, but it was my mom's job to make the reservations. And, and my mom's a bit of a worrier, and there were already people in the family disgruntled that were going to be eating at this truck stop. And, and so she wants every detail to be perfect, right? So she calls, and there's going to be X number of adults and an X number of children under a certain age and an X number of booster seats needed and X number of high chairs for the babies. I and mean, we had them all, right? And so she calls, she makes reservations, and, and 30 of us, we show up our five minutes early, right, to, for our reservations, and, and we're ready to eat. But unbeknownst to us, as we entered that dining room, we, we quickly realized that we weren't the only WrestleMania meets the Griswold family in the greater Clinton County area. That place was jammed. I'm talking like standing room, like people waiting, people all over the place, which wasn't a big deal, right, because we had reservations, or so we thought. And we quickly realized that the person my mom had talked to on the phone only wrote down the X number of adults. They didn't account for the X number of children under a certain age, or the X number of booster seats, or the X number of babies we would have. And so essentially, half of our family, children, half of our family didn't have seats. And this place is just jammed. And, and, and the few seats we did have, we had like 30 angry people behind us just, you know, sort of looking at our seats like they wanted them. And this thing came to a head when the, the hostess sort of told my mom that we would have to leave because there weren't enough seats for us. And, and my mom has been a Christian as long as I've known her. Um, and I have her permission to use this and tell this story, but she just lost it. Like, she just came on glued. And, and I mean, there was yelling, there was trembling, there's screaming, there's tears. And this is just like escalating the situation. And I, there had to have been hundreds of people in that place, I don't know. But every one of them stopped what they were doing and they're, they're just fixed on this crazy family, right? And, and it went on and on. What, what was probably minutes seemed like hours. 
And, and I just remember that as they're kind of arguing and it's getting loud and you could hear a pin drop in the place other than them arguing, my uncle, who's a pastor in Connecticut, kind of weaves his way through the crowd to the 15 seats or so that we did have. And, and we didn't know what to do, so we followed him because we're like embarrassed. You know, we just didn't know. We were, people around were mortified. Kids are starting to cry. It was just insane. Right? And so we, we try to sit down, right? We try to fit 30 people into these 15 seats and we're sharing seats and we're holding kids and some of us are standing and it's just this insanity. And, and, and my mom seeing us piled on top of one another and she just lost it and, and she left. She, she said, I'm out of here. She's in tears. She storms out. And any normal, normal family probably would have stood up and tucked their tail between their legs and walked out behind her. Not us. We hadn't eaten yet. And so with the whole restaurant still fixed on this crazy family, like what are they going to do next sort of thing, my uncle who's a pastor stands up in the middle of everyone and he says, everyone bow your heads, we're going to pray and eat. And I'm telling you what, my family bowed their heads, the families beside us and around us bowed their heads. I don't know if people in that restaurant were bowing their heads out of fear of us or reverence to God, but they bowed. And in that moment, my uncle gave thanks for the food and he gave thanks for God's son. Did we as Christians handle that situation the way we probably should have? Absolutely not. Was that an ideal circumstance or an ideal situation? Absolutely not. But did we have anywhere, any better place to go in that moment to give thanks at the throne room of grace? Absolutely not. This morning as we begin to discuss thankful in all circumstances, we need to understand what that phrase in all circumstances really means. It means in everything. In every situation, in every circumstance, give thanks. And so with that said, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5.18. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, God, we just thank you for who you are this morning, Lord. You are the King of all kings, and you are the Lord of all lords. And God, we praise you this morning. God, I just pray for the next half an hour or so, Lord, that it would be glorifying to you, first and foremost, Lord, and that it would be edifying to the body here at Big Woods. That that hearts would be open and receptive to hear from you, God. I pray that they would hear from you this morning and not a man. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just do a work that I can't do this morning. God, I pray at the very last moment that you would take anything out of this text that's, that's not of you, Lord, and that you would just guard my heart and my lips, Lord. God, I, I confess to you that if everyone here, I might be the most ungrateful person in the room at times. I confess that sin. But God, we just praise you that, that there's grace for that too, that the cross was sufficient. And so, God, I just pray now for, for hearts that are hurting, that this message wouldn't be a burden to their ears, but it would just be a, a welcome into your arms, Lord. And that the thankfulness is, that's found is not some superficial thank you, but it's a spiritual leaning in to the sovereign God of the universe who loves us and cares about us enough to send his own son to die in our place. God, that's my prayer this morning. We love you, and we thank you for the cross. And it's in your son's name, amen. This morning, I want to take you through the what, to whom, 
when, why, and how of thankfulness. So it's kind of an English lesson, not my, really my thing, but I'll do my best here. So we're going to begin with the what of thankfulness. So the first slide there says what, and it's be thankful. Throughout all of Scripture, we see this command to give thanks. I could, I could do nothing more this morning than to read through the Bible that contain, and read every verse that contains the word thanks, and we would be here for hours. In 1 Chronicles 16, we see David appointing those in the Levite tribe uh, to sing a song of thanksgiving. The Ark of the Covenant, um, where, where the presence of God came to dwell with the Israelites. David's appointing them to give thanks. And, and he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Tell of all His wondrous works. Glory in His name. And let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. And for 26 verses in 1 Chronicles 16, David goes on and on and on in this song of thanksgiving. and Not only praising God for His wondrous deeds, but praising God for who He is. Giving glory to His holy name. Seeking His presence continually. Let the hearts of those who see the Lord rejoice. David ends his song of thanksgiving with a very familiar verse of thanksgiving. You probably know it. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. We see time and time again throughout the Psalms as well, this idea of giving thanks, not only to God for for blessing and provision, but seeing through that blessing, seeing through the provision to the giver of the blessing Himself. I read a few Psalms earlier. I'll just read a few more to you now. Just don't zone out. Just listen. Soak these in. But we, your people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. From generation to generation, we will recount your praise. I give thanks to you, O Lord my God. With my whole heart, I will glorify your name forever. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Give thanks to the God of gods for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for His steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven for His steadfast love endures forever. Friends, the the Thanksgiving holiday that we're to celebrate this week is is supposed to be this time to, to pause and to reflect on just how richly blessed we are. It's a day set aside to express gratitude to God in in the form of thankfulness and praise for the many blessings that He's lavished upon us. But if your family's anything like mine, probably not, the intended focus of the holiday tends to to lose its luster somewhere between the last-minute hectic preparations and the food coma that you slip into during halftime of the Dallas Cowboys football game. And, and without even realizing it, if we're not careful, turkey dinner can replace thankfulness. And, and games, football games, can be elevated above gratitude in our lives. And, and, and our praise is focused more on massive floats in some parade than it is on the one from whom all blessings flow. Don't, don't get me wrong, there's, there's nothing, nothing inherently sinful about food or football or a good nap. But even in the instances where we, instances where we sit around and take the opportunity to share, what are you thankful for? Maybe your family does that. Our responses often highlight the gift and not the giver. We're, we're thankful for pumpkin pie, but, but we fail to give glory to the one who created the pumpkin. 
We're thankful for leisure activities and hobbies, but, but we fail to give glory to the one who's the ultimate source of our satisfaction. We're thankful for our families, but we fail to give glory to the one who, who knew that it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he took a rib from the man and created a woman. We're thankful for our health, but we fail to give glory to the one who, who at this very moment is giving our heart rhythm. We're thankful for heaven, but we, we fail to give glory to the one who gave his life that we might have eternal life. All too often, our thankfulness is focused on that which is superficial rather than that which is eternal. To quote Pastor John Piper on this one, Piper says, Woe to us if we get our satisfaction from the food in the kitchen and the TV in the den and the sex in the bedroom without an, occasion, without an occasional tribute to the cement blocks in the basement. God wills to be displayed and known and loved and cherished and worshipped. Of all people, of all people, we as Christians have much to be thankful for. God has blessed us beyond belief. But we must be sure, we must be sure that our thankfulness doesn't terminate simply on some gift and fall short of glorifying the giver of that gift. Every blessing we have in our lives should point back to the giver. I'll I'll paraphrase C.S. Lewis on this. He says that the sight of warm beams of sunlight peeking through the trees on a fall day should cause our minds to run back up the sunbeam to the sun itself. Our lives should be marked by thankfulness that glorifies God for who He is and not just what He gives us. So point number one, the what, is be thankful. Point number two, to whom? To God through Christ. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Through Jesus, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. Notice how the focus of this verse is Jesus. I'll just read it quickly again. Through Jesus, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that give thanks to His name. You see, in the beginning of that verse, it tells us that it's through Him. It's through His power enabling us that we can even offer the sacrifice in the first place. And the end of that verse tells us that he's the object of that sacrifice. He's both the means and the end of our worship, Jesus is. Friends, if if we're going to glorify God in in our praise and in our thanksgiving, Jesus must be the conduit and the recipient of that worship. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He bore your sins and he bore my sins. And in doing so, the penalty that was due us was placed on Him. Jesus took the wrath of God in our place. The Bible says that God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The righteous for the unrighteous. The just for the unjust. Jesus got death, we got grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. He gives us what we don't deserve. That's what grace is. Jesus provides the grace, grace produces gratitude within us, and it overflows in the form of lips that give praise and thanksgiving to the glory of God the Father. Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians 4.15, he says, All of this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. The fruit of lips that give thanks to His name is simply the overflow of grace that's in our hearts. In other words, 
our words of praise and thanksgiving are an overflow of gratitude that's in our hearts towards Jesus for the grace that he supplies. Grace is the root that grows the fruit of lips that give thanks. And so how are we doing with this this morning? I mean, survey your own heart. I've surveyed my heart all week about, over this. What do your conversations look like? Are they, are they thankful conversations? Are we people, are we really people of thankfulness? Because if I were really just honest and transparent with you, more often than not, my conversations come across as being unsatisfied and, and ungrateful at times. How sweet is the fruit of your lips this morning? Is it sweet fruit or is it rotten fruit? Is it real fruit or is it that like plastic stuff that we sit on the dining room table to dress up our kitchens or what have you? Because we really need to be careful about the fruit of our lips. We don't want to offer to God what appears to be thanksgiving, but it's nothing more than lips, but what is nothing more than lip service. Isaiah 29, 13 says, these people come near me with their mouth and they, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Brothers and sisters, it's, it's important that our praise and thanksgiving does not become some monotonous duty. That, the, that our praise and thanksgiving doesn't just become hollow words or, or empty chatter. This kind of fruit of the lips is plastic and it's worthless. And even more concerning, it points to a deeper issue inside of us. The fruit of lips is the overflow of gratitude that we receive. If the, excuse me, if the fruit of the lips is the overflow of gratitude for grace that we've received, then, then plastic fruit is the ingratitude for grace that we reject. If our lives are marked by being ungrateful constantly, then we have much to be concerned about. Unbelievers are ungrateful. They do not give thanks to God. That's, that's what Romans 1 is all about. Romans 1.21 says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him or give thanks to Him. We see it again in 2 Timothy 3.1-2 through 2 says, But understand this, that in the last days, there will become times of difficulty. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful unholy and the list goes on and on being thankful is the very essence excuse me being unthankful is the very essence of an unregenerate heart for those who know the lord and and love the lord thanksgiving isn't merely some holiday that we celebrate this week it should be the attitude of our hearts constantly it ought to be our perpetual attitude as we consistently praise and thank God for His rich blessing and His work in our lives and, and most importantly for His Son. As believers, we ought to just simply be thankful for Jesus. Always. Thanksgiving, after all, is the song of the redeemed. Matt read a, a verse from Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 7 says very much the same thing. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation and tribe and people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and, and with palm branches in their hands. They were crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and, and around the elders and the four living creatures and they, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, 
Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so the what was be thankful to whom? To God through Christ. Number three, the when in all circumstances. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. We see this command again from Paul in Ephesians 5.20. It says, Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks always and for everything. As believers, we, we must be sure that our thankfulness isn't a one-time year event in November, but rather is manifested in a life marked by being thankful in all situations and in all circumstances. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that, that, every, that everyone in this room is excited for this Thursday. That Thanksgiving is going to be this joyful, gleeful time. Some of you are probably struggling. And, and, and a holiday makes that all the more difficult. A holiday kind of brings that all the more to, to light. Some of you might be struggling financially. Some of you probably have major health concerns. Some of you may have recently lost a loved one. Perhaps some of you are dealing with a marriage that's failing, or some of you might be battling an addiction. I, I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. As you sit here under my voice and these thoughts are going through your head, whatever you're thinking about now, I don't know what that is necessarily, but I do know this. In all circumstances means that whatever you're thinking about right now, whatever be your biggest burden this morning, you are to be thankful in that as well. Paul simply says, give thanks in all circumstances. No exceptions. No excuses. Nothing outside those parameters. In everything, give thanks. Aside from the obvious exceptions of personal sin, he's saying that no matter what what happens to you in life, Be thankful. No matter what lot, no matter what circumstance, no matter what struggle, trial, testing, be thankful and give thanks. No matter what the situation, we must find reason to give thanks to God. And that is tough. That is so much easier said than done, friends. You see, it's easy to give thanks when when all is going well. It's a much different thing to give thanks when there's pain in the offering. But regardless, Paul says, give thanks always and for everything. Give thanks in all circumstances, he says. Do you know where we tend to go with a verse like this? We we tend to try to find an out, a way around it, yeah? Generally, we don't want to be thankful. Generally, when we don't want to be thankful, I'd say like 98% of the time, when we don't want to be thankful, it's because we believe we deserve better circumstances than we currently have. I want you to think about that. Think about the times when you didn't want to be thankful, when you didn't want to be grateful. Wasn't it because you felt like you weren't getting what you deserved? Our expectations were, were not met in that moment, so why should we be thankful about it? And so we try to find a way around this command to be thankful in all circumstances. Because somehow our case is unique, right? You, you, you don't know my struggle this morning. You don't, you don't know my situation. You don't know my suffering. You don't know my pain. I don't deserve this. 
I deserve better. I'm not going to be thankful for that. Are you crazy? Friends, if, if that's you this morning, allow me to remind you of something that, that I've challenged my own heart with when I want to be ungrateful, which is much of the time. When I feel like my expectations weren't met, when I feel like I deserve better, this is the place I go. I want you to just hear me talk to myself here for a moment. I remind myself that I need to be careful when I talk about what I deserve in this life. Because if I got what I deserved, I would be in hell. And and if you got what you deserved, you would be there with me. If we truly got what we deserved this life, we would be in hell. And the only reason we're not is because the God of the universe has lavished His love on sinners like you and like me. Jesus got our hell. We got His righteousness. We deserve wrath, but we got grace. Don't you see that? Let that change your perspective on what we deserve and what we should be thankful about in this life. If you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear this. Everything that you have and everything that you are is a result of grace. Everything that you have and everything that you are is a result of grace. What do you have that you haven't been given? And if we've been given it, why do we boast? We've been given grace upon grace, yet we, we want to point the finger at God and say, how can you do this to me? How can you let me lose my job? How can you allow my marriage to fail? How can you let me endure cancer? How can you let my child die at a young age? Don't you love me, God? Where are you in all this mess? Some of you are probably asking those very same questions right now. And and I know, I know these things cut to the very core of who we are. We wrestle with this idea that God is somehow unloving because He allows bad stuff to happen. He allows tragedies to play out. How can a God of love allow such destruction? Where are you, God, in all of my pain? You want me, you want me to be thankful for this, God? Really? If you're, if you're a loving God, why are you allowing bad things to happen to me? The best answer I've ever heard to these questions is by a pastor by the name of Vody Bauckham. And, and I can't improve on it, so I'm just going to quote Pastor Bauckham. Vody says, the question isn't, why does a loving God allow bad things to happen to me? The, that's not the question. We're, we're not asking it the right way. The question is not, why does a loving God allow bad things to happen to me? The question is, how on earth can a holy and righteous God know what I did, thought, and said yesterday, and not kill me in my sleep tonight. You you see, when we we ask the question the first way, we elevate man to a level of deserving something from God. When we ask the question the second way, how on earth can a holy, righteous God know what I did, thought, and said yesterday, and not kill me in my sleep tonight? We elevate God. Friends, this is tough teaching. But please hear me out. Hear me out. God is not calling us to thankfulness in our pain in some like masochistic way. God God is not saying be thankful and enjoy cancer. It's not God what God's saying. He's not saying thankful, be thankful your kid died. That's not what God's saying. He's not saying be thankful and enjoy the pain at all. Rather, the God of the universe 
is calling us to his side. We are thankful in our struggles because they should force us to God and not from God. He's calling us in thankfulness to lay our burdens down at the cross, to cast all of our cares on Him, that we might find shelter under His wings, that we might lean into the everlasting arms. Romans three, excuse me, Romans five three through five says, "But we also glory in our sufferings." Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. John 16.33 says, I have told you these things that you might have peace in me. In this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. We're, We're called in thankfulness to the one who has overcome. We get more of the one who has overcome. We get more of Jesus. He's calling us in our pain to be thankful that he's there and that he is enough. It's time, it's time that we stop interpreting God's love by our circumstances. And time we start interpreting our circumstances as God's love for us. I'll say that again. It's time we stop interpreting God's love by our circumstances. And time we start interpreting our circumstances as God's love for us. He desires you closer. He's calling you to his side. A personal story about what I mean in all of this. About 10 years ago, my wife was experiencing some pain in her legs and, and being the loving husband I was, I'm like, well, you're all right. You know, maybe you're just sore. You walked too much yesterday. You know, you'll get over it sort of thing. Um, and, and until her, her knees became the size of like softballs and she, she could barely walk and she had them drained a few times and the doctors didn't know what was wrong. And it turned out she had Lyme's disease. And... And I remember her just ministering to my heart in all of this. Her prayer was this. Almost unable to walk at 30 years old, she, she said, God, thank you. Thank you that you've given me almost 30 good years on these legs. If I never walk again, I'll still praise you. That's what we're talking about here. It pushes us to his side. We're thankful in the pain. Not necessarily for the pain, but thankful that God is there and He is enough. Praise God that He healed her. I don't know if it was Spurgeon. It's kind of argued whether it's Spurgeon or not, but it's a great quote, so I'll share it. I think Aaron has shared it in the past from the pulpit. Spurgeon says, I've loved to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my heart and my portion forever. What? Be thankful to whom? To God through Christ. When? In all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you. I'm not going to spend much time here. I think it's pretty clear from the text. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Perhaps you've been pondering what God's will is for your life. Here it is. It's pretty clear. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And our focus this morning, give thanks in all circumstances. 
right up there with worship, right up there with praying, give thanks in all circumstances. We see it again in Colossians 3.17. We couldn't stay out of Colossians all morning, I'm sorry, especially when you're talking about thankfulness, right? Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in speech, whatever you do in your actions, do it all with thanksgiving. So we only have one thing left then to flesh out, the how. Let's make this practical. How do we do this? How do we do this hard teaching this morning? How do we become like Job, who, who after losing everything, he lost his livestock, his home, his family, he's inflicted with his painful sores, and his wife's like, why don't you just curse God and die? And, and what does Job say? He says, shall we only accept good from God and not evil? The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How do we get there? How do we get there? I give you two pillars of the faith to stand on this morning. Two what I call pillars of thanksgiving in our battle for thankfulness. And and I go to these things whenever I doubt, whenever I have anxiety, I have stress. I go to these two things and I often point other people to these two things. And so I just encourage you this morning. Pillar of thanksgiving number one. Trusting that God is sovereign over our circumstances. If we were to look up the word sovereign in the dictionary, we would find phrases like superior or greatest or supreme in power and authority, um, independent of others. There's all these definitions, but I like the way Chip Ingram puts it best. Simply put, God is in control. God is in control. There's absolutely nothing that happens in this universe outside of God's influence and authority. God is in control. I want you to get that this morning, and I want you to trust in that this morning. Because God is sovereign. Nothing will ever come into your life that He doesn't decree or allow. Whatever you're dealing with right now has already passed by God's hand. We've got to know that and we've got to trust in that. Recall that, that great text from Romans 11 that the song we sang kind of is modeled from. Oh, the depth and the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are His judgments and inscrutable His ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or or who has been his counselor, who can give him a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things, to him be the glory forever. Who's known the mind of our Lord? Who has been his counselor among us? The obvious answer is no one. No one. Trust him. Trust him. Pillar of thanksgiving number one, God is sovereign over our circumstances. Pillar of thanksgiving number two that we might stand on, trusting that God desires our good in all circumstances. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. God wastes nothing in this life. He wastes no pain, no hurt, no moment is wasted. In fact, right now, at this very moment, whatever that thing is you've been thinking of, God is working it for your good. You and I, we we see this much of time. God sees the end from the beginning. He, He sits outside of time. We can't even fathom that. The greatest hurt in your life right now, the greatest thing causing you anxiety right now, that thought that's been going on over and over in your head during my sermon this morning, God knows and God sees and God cares. And know this, a hundred thousand years from now, the, the, the thing that you're suffering with the most, these sufferings that we we're dealing with, 
will not be worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed in us. Coming to a close. So if you need hope this morning, if you need something to be thankful for this morning, I give you Romans 8, 31 and 32, just a few short verses after what I just read. It says this, What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? See, see Paul's argument here. Paul is arguing from the greater to the lesser. You see what he's doing? He's saying, look, if last week your neighbor loaned you his car, this week he'll surely loan you his crescent wrench. Why? Because the car has so much more value. If he's willing to let you take his car, why wouldn't he allow you to have his crescent wrench? You get it, right? Friends, we can give thanks in all circumstances this morning, this morning because God the Father gave His Son. God the Father, at infinite cost to Himself, so much more than a car, gave His Son. How much more with Him won't He also give us all things that we need? Our sovereign God knows what you need and He desires your good. Do you really believe that this morning? Do you really believe that? I'm going to close with, with this story. If you listen to Christian radio much at all, you probably are familiar with Christian artist Toby Mack. A few weeks ago, Toby Mack and his wife unexpectedly lost their 21-year-old son, Truett. And as his family mourned and as his family grieved, and, and by the way, they're still, don't get me wrong, they're still mourning, they're still grieving. But as Tony Mack and his wife are grieving, they posted this on social media. Toby Mack said, My wife and I would want the world to know that we don't follow God because we have some sort of under-the-table deal with Him. That like, we'll follow you and, and you'll bless us. We follow God because we love Him. It's our honor. And He is the God of hills and valleys. And He's beautiful beyond all things. Friends, God knows your pain. God knows your pain. God knows the pain of losing a child. Because God killed his own for you. Let us be thankful for that this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just, we are in awe of who you are, God. God, we, we, we recognize that you indeed are the sovereign king and that you are on your throne and that you are in control in all of this chaos of life. God, help us to trust in you. Help us to trust in those really hard moments when, when life is just not good, when there's pain in the offering, when the report from the hospital comes in, the doctor's office comes in, when our marriage is struggling, when, when even our children die or even as early as this week, a friend in the church dies, God. God, help us to trust in the fact that you know and that you see and that you care. 
and that you desire even this right now for our good. We don't understand that. We probably won't understand that. But God, help us to trust in it. And God, as we wrestle with this idea of thanksgiving in all circumstances, God, may we, may we always look simply to the cross. That when, when we fail to understand how to give thanks anywhere else, that we would lift up our eyes to the cross. Because there we have much to be thankful for. God, we love you. We thank you again for this time and for your Holy Spirit's leading. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.